Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there Steve. Hey. And we are back into uh, checking out some solo RPGs. Because uh, the torture never stops. <laughs> this time around we're checking out Ronin uh, by Tiago Yungez. Forgive us for just slaughtering that. Google yeah, was no a, help prior. It's an interesting little um, RPG here because it's a uh, Japanese-themed game written by a Brazilian um, game designer. Yes. So a couple of a couple Brazilian. of. I want to say he's Brazilian. But now. Now I figured you uh, you had originally uh, sent me a copy of this to check out, um, and I I know this is like Ronin is like right up your alley. This is definitely um, it's the sweet spot for me thematically, mm -hmm. uh, because it is uh, Usagi Yojimbo. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it could just very well be. Um, you know, there's no no uh, thing in the book that says it has to be uh, human beings. You can use anthropomorphic animals if you like. It's weird how, like when when you talk about or people talk about Usagi, they automatically like like grasp onto that fact that they're anthropomorphic animals. Which is definitely true, but I don't think that's the appeal of that comic. I think the appeal of that comic is it's like pretty well researched, mm -hmm. and you know, um, you know, and it's a really good balance between historical Edo period Japan and um, you know fictional romanticized Edo period Japan. Yeah, so, that that I mean, that um, Jita Geki. Chanbara film kind of like yeah it, mythological I mean, it, it hits that really well and yeah I mean they're cute rabbits and rhinos and stuff but that's like not the appeal of it most of the time I can't stand shit like that right it's you know it's it's the themes and the you know mm -hmm. the writing and stuff so well I I think I think a lot of it is the you know the art style is very striking and that grabs your attention and kind of makes you like, oh, let me rabbit samurai. Let me check this out. You know? That's true. I mean, and, you know, all in all, they look like people except they have animal heads. Pretty much, yeah. If you're a bird, so, you still have five fingers or three fingers or however many well, fingers. Yeah. Right. Cartoon. Mr. Sakai likes except to draw. For, bat, for some reason, like, bats look like bats and snakes look like snakes. And they ride around on horses. Yeah, and the the animals that are um, that are normally found are lizards, right? Because uh, you know, can't have rabbits running around when your main character is a rabbit, I guess. Yeah, just just but, the. I mean, you know, there there's a certain amount of ludicrousness to it because I mean, a rhinoceros riding on a horse, right? <laughs> so, Boom. And if that if that doesn't you know that 
get your attention and then, you know, come for the uh, absurdity, stay for the good writing. Right. So, but, but this game definitely has that feel to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like saying it can't have that feel to it. It does have that feel to it because unlike most of the other solo games we've looked at, this one is pretty specific. Right. As to what happens in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like um, Arkham Horror, right? Right. Right. There Where is a, it's, a premise. It's a premise, and the, the, and it's kind of the same thing every time, um, as opposed to you know you you can do whatever you want, right? Which time and time again we found that the problem with that is you're still taking you with you, so there's no surprises. And it tries you might to like randomize stuff with dice you still, you know, end up having to fill in the blanks mm-hmm. with, you know, what you're used to, right? Right. Um, which you still have to do to a certain degree here, mm-hmm. but it's it's very thematic, I guess. Right. Um, so it, it, you know, it, it's the similarity between game A and game B is going to be the difference between Yo Jimbo and um i don't know uh the magnificent seven or you know the uh, seven samurai seven samurai right now let's uh let's give the audience at home a little bit of a synopsis of of what's going on before we start getting into too much detail about mechanics and stuff uh in ronin you take on the role of well a ronin yes and <laughs> um, scum you are you, you are the bottom tier of of this uh and there is a bit of that romantic romanticization going on here uh with it uh you're you're the wandering warrior with a with a tragic past um right. and and a lot instead you're of you're a scumbag right <laughs> i mean he kind of like well you can you know, choose you're kind of a scumbag right like you're on the bottom <laughs> tier of society historically speaking but um, you you're able to through the gameplay, you know, determine whether you're a real scumbag or if you're a, a noble scumbag. Great. Um, you do you are allowed to uh, randomly generate a character uh, with a, a mm-hmm. name, a scar, uh, a nightmare. Uh, even your fighting style is randomized. It uses a a two d six system um primarily the mechanic is opposed roles so you have two different color d6s that you want to use right and you split the difference um yeah i like the fact that like everything is randomized Mm -hmm. so you're not you're not looking at a, a paragraph of of um text Right. Right. And, uh, you know, answering questions about, about, you know, oh, you run into, you know, your lord, your lord's uh, ex-concubine. Right. Right. What is your relationship with him? Right. You, there, there's, 
there's no journaling involved, which is great. Right. Which, but, <laughs> but optionally you can, because it gives right. you the, the climactic events and you can kind of, as, as the book itself puts it, stitch it together with yes, you know, you, journaling exercises. You still have to take generalizations and make it into a specific story. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But it's not, it's not like a thousand year old vampire where it was um, just prompts I, and you're just making up yeah, the story. Yeah, yeah. The same thing happens every time. <laughs> you wander on the road, mm-hmm. you have encounters on the road, you go to a town, you have encounters in town. These encounters build up your um, reputation. Mm-hmm. And once your reputation reaches a certain level, then you face bosses. Right. You face three bosses throughout the game. Uh, and once you face the third boss, that's the climax. You add up your points. And uh, depending on, on how many points you have, that's your, your fate at the end. Right? Yes. Yep. And, and in some respects, uh, this is an RPG that's almost a roguelike, if, to use a video game term. Uh, where the story is basically the same, but the randomization of like character creation and starting point, and even even with you know the the number of options that are available uh, for starting points and locations on your journey, uh, there's there's a lot of different combinations that can go on. Even though, yes, the overall sequence of play is the same, you know you build up your reputation, you fight your three villains, and then you add up your score at the end. But each run-through can be radically different. Right, which which is why it reminds me of Arkham Horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's enough randomization in the mechanics of both games where you can have a different experience every time. But you're still basically playing the same game. Yes, yes. Now, speaking of speaking of playing, did you get a chance to actually play through? I did not. Did not. I did. Uh, I got. I went through uh, three three rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, tell you the truth, this is the the first one that um, it it hooked me enough to even want to try it. There you go. Um, and I like I said, I went through three rounds. Uh, just to get a feel for it and you know i had a lot of fun now there are of course some some drawbacks to it uh one the flow of play is a little a little unclear uh you know some a, a bullet point you know sidebar or something like that would would have been nice you know just to like get you going uh the instructions seem a little incomplete every once in a while because, uh, the, for example, the charm action, uh, what happens in the event of a tie? Well, tie goes to the batter. I guess. It it doesn't say. I read through a couple of times because I did have that, I did encounter that situation in, in the playthrough. Right, so the, the charm action, for those of you playing at home, is what you do when you encounter a potential ally. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's, it's very formulaic. So when, when you, you have what three types of encounters, right? 
Right. Well, four. You have enemies, um, the bosses, you have potential allies and actual allies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can only choose certain actions with um, each of each type of encounter. So you can't fight a potential ally. You have to use the charm action. Right. Can't charm an enemy. You can try and talk to them, right? But you cannot charm them. Right. You can talk to them. You can try to intimidate your enemy. Right. Uh, it's, there's, a, there's a whole series of actions. And, and really, as I said, a, a kind of a bullet point or maybe even flow chart uh, as a sidebar, uh, would have been helpful you know, with this because, as it stands now, especially with a digital copy, there is a lot of scrolling back and forth that that I found. Um, that even if I was using a print copy, there'd be a lot of paging back and forth, flipping through the book to find this chart, and then going back to make sure I reference this rule to use this correctly. Right. So you. you you're saying that it would a GM screen or even like a uh, chart section. Yeah, a GM screen, a chart section, a reference booklet maybe, or even the second half of the book being all references with all the rules, paragraph form rules, the prose rules being front loaded. You know what? How do you make your character? What's an ally? What's an enemy? What's a villain? Right. You know, put all that in the front and then put all the charts in the back as in like an appendix or a quick reference guide. And you start that with a, a flow chart of the the way a game goes with uh, simplified versions of the rules. Like, you know, make a charm, you know, possible ally encounter, make a charm roll. If you don't remember what that is, just scroll back up to the that relevant part of the rule set. But... The charts would have been nice because there's a lot of uh, flicking back and forth that I found I had to do. Yeah, so um, it, it, I mean, it looks like so the the, the journey is the, it's chapter five, mm-hmm. right? Which right. is kind of where you actually play the game, mm-hmm. um, and it just says you roll an event on the route table. That's where you start, yep, and then an event on the location table, and that's how you go. So uh, you roll d six, right? Mm-hmm. And you roll, oh, it's a four. If you have a reputation of five or more, a villain, chapter seven, has found you. If not, roll for a road encounter. So you go to the road encounter table. Right. Uh, when you roll two dice, uh, one one dark, one light. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple of pages that shows you what happens on the road, such as you arrive at a roadside inn and are amazed at the amount of cats in the place. As you enter, you hear an incredible melody played by a musician with his face covered. At the end of the song, the musician approaches you and says he needs to talk. You can refuse, but if you accept, roll a die. If the result is between six and two, the the musician reveals himself as a possible ally. We need you to take an object to the next location. You will gain one determination if you do. If the result is one, the musician reveals himself as a yokai called Neko Nekamata fight plus two block one. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing. And so you take that and you create a scene in your mind. It's pretty detailed, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, so it's not, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not like sitting on the couch at the shrink's office, which is what the journaling games remind me of. 
<laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so you you get a pretty cool scene and, and you stitch it together. So you make it your own. Right. Right. If, if you want to. Right. What melody are they playing? Right. What what's how, your character? How crowded is the inn? Right. Right. The sights and smells and stuff like that. Right. Exactly. Um, so, but and then once, once you're done with that, with that encounter, then you go to the the um, location encounter table, mm-hmm. right? And you have similar stuff. So you, um, there's always like a potential fight and then an, and a potential encounter. Right. Then the urban encounters are cool. They're a little less detailed, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you discover that a well-known blacksmith lives, lives at this location. You decide to look for him. He will be a possible ally. That, you know, that's... Um, it's shorter. It's sweeter. There's a little bit... It's a little bit more open. But it's still, it kind of gives you a feel mm-hmm. uh, for what's going on, depending on how, how detailed you like this to be. You know, is how detailed you can you can make it. Right, right. But but I think this game has the potential to be more satisfying with less effort. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you have a lot of fun things that happen. Like uh, the second round I played, my road encounter ended up with my character being trapped by cannibals and getting his ass stomped. <laughs> cool. <laughs> So yeah, and, and I kind of ran into some issues there. Like, okay, I lost, and I'm supposed to wake up something. So I presume that I should just start back over on the road somewhere. <laughs> if you get Wait, and it, if you get knocked well, out, you yeah, can also die like a, really easily. You can, but but that's not the end of the game because you can create another character to avenge your first character. Yep, you can actually use your list of allies you've encountered up until that point to turn around and say... Because, basically, allies and villains use pretty much the same character creation technique. Right. And you can just as easily slap your starting stats, uh, Reputation 0, Compassion 2, Determination 2, onto the stats you've generated for this ally because you're supposed to generate this character every time you encounter one. Right. Um, And it's not a lot of work. Right. And it's not a lot of work because the stats start are, are, you know, are, you know, are not randomized. It's just flat stats. Right. Another thing that's interesting is that they have determination so it is like, say, icons where you can spend those points to make re-rolls or do other things. Right. But your your ending determination also is included in the calculation of how well you do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what so. you want to do is you want to play through in a, such a way where you can gain reputation gain more compassion gain more determination because you are trying to score points right because you can end up being the actual villain of the story (laughs) 
You could. Are we the baddies? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the possible endings, is that you're the actual villain of the story. Yep. And that's uh, really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with my playthrough. Uh, it might be something that I would, you know, put more effort into learning further in order to, to play um, when I'm looking to maybe kill some time. Yeah, the... the... I think the only drawback really to this that I've seen so far is it helps if you're familiar with the, the genre. And, and the various tropes. Yeah, yes. I, I mean, it definitely, it's like any other role-playing game, really. You, you pick a system based on your interests. Right. And, and, and I guess, would you be playing this if you didn't give a shit about Samurai? films or mm. comics or whatever so probably not so yeah you're right you're you're probably right um if if i didn't have an interest in the subject matter going in then yeah i you know my my opinion of it on the outset would have been like well it's fun but i probably wouldn't play it again right now here's here's the thing so remember iron sworn mm-hmm. right powered by the apocalypse solo adventure game Ironshorn had a similar kind of, not mechanic, but vibe, I guess. Yeah. Where, you know, you were on the road for a while, and then you then you were in town, right? Mm-hmm. You, you alternated between that. And I think the, the, the weakness, I guess, of Ironshorn was in the system. Mm-hmm. But if you took something like Iron Sworn and and adapted it to this where you would have, you know, just, you know, have tables and encounters that are there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so you don't have to, to think about what they're going to be, right? Right. Um, and there's enough variety in this game where it, it's, it's difficult to get the same encounter twice, right? Right. And even if you do, you know, that's where you stitch together and, and flavor it and make it different. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, a game like Iron Sworn could benefit from the approach that this game takes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the simplicity of this particular mechanic is uh, one of the appeals of it as well. Uh, because, like you said, I think one of our criticisms of Iron Sworn was there was a lot of bookkeeping involved. Yes, and you know, there's like very little bookkeeping in in this. A lot of it is make your roll, figure your results, move on to the next thing. Right. So where, where Iron Sworn was very vague, and you had to really, really dig deep mm-hmm. to come up with like detail. To fill in the blanks to make that world come alive, right? Right. Here it's the opposite. Um, you know, there's enough detail in in the prompts and the encounters where if you have the vocabulary of the genre, you can make it come alive. Yes, yes, it's very uh, very theater of the mind sort of thing. And, and if you're, if you, like you say, if you love the genre or have an affinity for the genre, um, you can, uh, really make it come alive. But I can also see how, you know, you can kind of in your head, file the serial numbers off 
and really play any type of uh, fantasy type setting um, with you know with this particular system. You know, yeah, a, a roadside inn is a roadside inn, whether you're playing in a you know Edo Japan setting or a, a fantasy. Europe, no, no, that, that's, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. I mean, you you have to. I think it would take a little work. Yeah. Um, you know, and you would have to be familiar. So, obviously, if you are uh, going to to do this as like a West African flavor, uh, you would have to do a little bit of research into like the kind of um, mythology mm-hmm. involved there. I don't think you're going to find a Buddhist temple. Right. <laughs> but you would find something similar. And, and if you are familiar with the setting, you can easily swap the two. Right. Right. And I, I would, I would be curious to see if, um, if this company and uh, Mr. Yungess, uh, sorry if I mispronounce your name, um, is you know doing other things using the same kind of system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I speaking of the system, the opposed D six rolls. Um, I, I really, it's it's night, it's clean. Um, it in a lot of ways, it kind of reminded me of playing like one page rules. Uh, miniatures games where it's just like okay your role has you know is this the opponent's role is this who who succeeded <laughs> right and it's like it lends it lends a bit of efficiency to it where you know the rest of it might be you know at first glance kind of daunting and like most things uh I did find it a little daunting at first and then something i started rolling some dice and it started clicking that's cool so you would recommend this game to people who um, are looking for a solo gaming experience and also have an affinity for chambara uh yes i would actually um like i said it does it would stand to be cleaned up a little bit uh you know just to for uh end user experience (laughs) Right now, one can always print this out, extract the tables, mm-hmm. and have them handy. Oh yes, yeah. You could you could do some uh, fancy stuff like that. You could build your own GM screen. Uh, you could type out your own sequence of play or write it in your book, something like that. Because <laughs> a piece of scrap paper or a, a legal pad or something is kind of necessary. Right, and that that's the other thing. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get away with with not having to do a little bit of journaling, mm-hmm. you know. But not it's not the main focus. Um, now nah, I lost my train of thought. God damn it! <laughs> uh, recommend. Uh, so you go to Bears France. Uh, I'll met Du Fromage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, would like. you recommend it? Uh, yeah, actually, I would. Um, of the solo games that we've looked at, this is the most appealing one so far. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of them I kind of looked at and, and was kind of like, uh, yeah, but it's just too much work. Right. It's too much work to sit down and play this. I want to have fun playing. I don't want to be like, you know, it, it almost feels like I'm prepping a game to GM mm-hmm. with all the rest of them. And, you know, if I'm going to be doing that, I might as well prep a game to GM. Right. 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 Yep. This one does have much more of a pick up and play sort of aspect to it than, say, Iron Sworn or Thousand Year Old Vampire, which seems to have a good bit of prep work. Um, it's got a yeah. it's got a much uh, quicker gameplay loop. Well, like with the Thousand Year Old Vampire, you have to do research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you I mean. You really have to, like, okay, do historical research and stuff. And, you know, I guess that's fun. But like I said, it's like prepping to GM a game. Right. Where exactly. here, you know, I, I've done all the research. I've read Usagi Yojimbo. I've, I've read uh, Musashi. So, you know, that is there. I have that. That, yeah, am I an expert on Japanese history? No, but you don't have to be. You just have to know enough to, to get yourself into trouble. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, another another thing, now we mentioned things like Iron Sworn or Thousand Year Old Vampire as, as a good way to get some writing exercises in uh, for, for those <laughs> among us who, who are writers. Uh, this game... Is, is also a good recommendation for people who want to learn to take better notes when they're playing with other people, when they're playing with their groups. Because in order to play, you have to take notes. <laughs> well, right. Well, it's, it's a solo game. You kind of have to do that. You right. Keep, especially since you're keeping track of um, several different points. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you you just have to. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, there's there's a, a secondary benefit to playing it. Um, you know, yeah, I would say I would say Iron Sworn and Thousand Year Old Vampire also, you know, are are helpful with taking notes, but given that they're more story oriented um, and and especially in the case of Thousand Year Old Vampire kind of reliant on prose. Uh, it's a little bit different, and this one's kind of more like, you know, these are the features of your character. Like, like you know, the NPCs you encounter, your allies and your villains, are more bullet point uh, lists that you would give, like, a police sketch artist. Right, they're, they're pretty ephemeral. Mm-hmm. Um, they come and go, and once an, an ally helps you, they're done. Right. So yeah, they, I mean, it's it's in a way it's you know it's more realistic to ha- when you're a wandering Ronin to run into a guy once, mm-hmm. and then you never see them again except maybe on your way back through that town a year later or whatever. Right. So, however, it is also interesting that if you have fighters as allies, when you encounter villains they will step up and fight the villain first. Right. So so they could so you could if you make enough allies who are fighters, 
you can really soften up these villains. <laughs> that you can, but I think also that uh, takes away from your determination and everything. Not not having the allies, but um, having so many of them, right? That it costs to make these allies, right? Yes. Um, I don't recall. Maybe I missed that part in the read-throughs. Because if not, that'd be the way to do it. <laughs> well, you make as many allies as you can. I, and I think that's probably... That'd be the Naruto approach. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, you're a wandering Ronin by yourself, you know. So, yeah, you would want to, to have some friends in low places uh, to come and help you out when you're you're facing your villain because you have to fight three villains uh one of whom is is like the super villain the, the big bad the big bad so you know you don't want to be like end up being injured <laughs> right um so yeah you maybe want to you know have an ally that throws himself at you know the first villain you encounter soften him up a little bit you know, you take that guy out, and then you make another ally, and he throws himself in front of the villain, softens him up a little bit. But uh, it's also it really thematic too that um, the the combat system is essentially one hit kill. Um, you know, after block, of course, just tells you how many exchanges you get before right. you go down. Right, and it's never a lot. I think uh, the Kenjutsu skill only grants you uh, two block, so in any given fight, you can get hit twice with no effect, and that third one is just that's it. Right, but that goes for the villain as well. Right, right. So yeah, up to uh, five exchanges. You know, a five round fight basically. Right. But instead of each round taking 15 minutes. Right. Each round is just a single roll of the dice. Right. There's, there's no, no, uh, no, no player character waffling as to whether or not they should uh, kill cats or just pluck them off of you. <laughs> All right. So this is funny. So, as you all know, I... Welcome I, to you know, Call of Cthulhu Storytime with Steve. I, I jam Call of Cthulhu for my son and his friends. And uh, we're playing Master Naralathotep. And this is part in Egypt where um, the, the an NPC has this scroll, which is sacred to Isis. And the longer he has it, and you're trying to convince him to put it back, the longer he has it, the more cats uh, will start following you around, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone's getting paranoid about these cats, especially since they were attacked by a cat monster at right. one point that was unrelated. So one of them, uh, there's like 20 cats around. They're going into this museum to talk to the curator there. And he goes into the office and there's like cats just are everywhere. And the <laughs> the curator's like, are, I take it these aren't yours because he's glaring at the cats. And he grabs one and snaps its neck. And I'm like, you're really doing that? You're killing this cat? And he goes, yeah. 
fuck these cats. <laughs> just like, are you sure that's what you want to do? <laughs> yes, that's what I'm going to do. As one, 20 cats hiss and start just mauling your character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and each cat is nothing, but there's 20 of them, and they're like scratching and biting, so it's 20 hit points, essentially. Or I, I was merciful and let him have five per round attacking. And so his buddy um, is like, what should I do? What should I do? Should I kill these cats? Should I? And everybody's like, yeah, 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 go, go, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> and he was like, but he's like doing the math in his head. How many cats can I hit? He has a sword. And I was like, you can hit one cat per round. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know if I really want to do this. And it, it, it was 15 minutes of this kid waffling as to whether or not he wanted to join in the cat killing or not right right you know uh technically speaking they should have been uh getting sanity rolls because i haven't even mentioned the sanity rolls <laughs> yeah because i mean you know it's not it's not pulp there is no hardened talent it was pulp we are playing pulp. oh you are playing pulp yes Ooh. So, and he wasn't going to die from the cats. Not that he knew that. Right. <laughs> but uh, it's really hard to die in Pulp Cthulhu. But yeah, it was. I don't know, man. We've given it a good solid try <laughs> in the past. 20 cats ain't, cats ain't going to do it. The butts will. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, it was just funny. It's just funny. Like, this kid going, yeah, I'm going to use my sword and wait a minute. There's how many cats? I don't know if I want to do that. I really like this character. <laughs> That's right, because all of a sudden they're eldritch cats. They're, uh, what is it? The, uh, what is it? Uh, shit. Oh, uh, what story is it that has the, the cats that'll kick your ass? Ulthar. Ulthar. Yeah, you know, they might have been right. doing well, some research and had kind of a little bit of a meta thing going on. Going, mm-hmm. yep, S- Mr. Steve is the, just the guy that's going to throw like cats of Ulthar at us. They ended up peeling cats off of the guy. Uh, the cats backed off, but every as they walked out of the museum, like every cat, like now we have hundreds of cats are just lined up staring at this one guy as he's, as he's walking along. <laughs> uh, and here's the, the kicker is last week they fought these hunting horrors. Mm-hmm. One of them had the spell, the same guy with the cats actually, had uh, the spell to bind a hunting horror. Right. So he performed it Lost a bunch of sanity from the random blood sacrifice, which happened to be his buddy, mm-hmm. to uh, bind the thing, and then had the one attack the other. Right. Right. It it was it was pretty intense, and he was like, "These cats are worse than damn hunting horrors." There you go. <laughs> wow. All right, so. 
all of that aside, uh, yeah, Ronin, check it out. Short we'll, combat. Uh, short combat. Short right. combat. Um, yep, we'll have a link in the description. And until next time, go fuck yourselves. Right. <laughs>